0: Welcome to the Misfits for Jesus Radio Ministry. So tickled you could stop by. I forgot to say podcast though, Barry. Oh yeah! Wow. How are you? I'm fine. We got Danny over here. Got Danny. Yeah, I'm here. Miss Faith Faith's in here. Jack. Jack, are you going to say insane. anything today? Probably. Jack. probably not. Hard. You need a word in <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> Stay gone. I'm tired of it. We don't need it. So, maybe we have a special guest with us today. When Jack comes back, maybe we can carry on. But we have a special guest, and she's feeling, a, she looks a little like, like scared or something. Like we've been messing with her a little bit, Barry. Yeah. Would you like to introduce? Yeah, I know. Man. Not that she doesn't trust anybody. I Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: I can do whatever you like.
0: Let's do this I'm thing. not afraid of you. <laughs> and she looks around, kind of like, oh yeah. man.
1: Slight trepidation. Yeah, yes. not afraid
0: so. of you. Not afraid of
1: you. Of I'm getting a mean mug over yeah. here. Yeah. Blame her yeah. one bit.
0: Yeah, Danielle, how are you?
1: I am outstanding. Thank you for having me.
0: And you are with
1: American Addiction Centers.
0: The crowd loves it. There. Now where is oh. that? Is?
1: American Addiction Centers is actually a national behavioral health care company, so we're all over the country. We have oh. eight facilities that are around the United States, Okay. and there are people like me all over the United States that help different people in all the states get into uh, a higher level of care if they are struggling with substance abuse of any kind.
0: Where's the closest one to Warrenton?
1: The closest one to us is about five and a half hours south in Oxford, Mississippi.
0: Wow. Wow. Right across the border, obviously.
1: Yeah. Not far at all. (laughs) Wow. Yes.
0: So So we met you recently, but we met you through your prior, I guess you fulfilled her position when she left, is that what's going on?
1: She's actually my manager now. She's the manager, yes, wow, moving up, wow. Yes. We're fancy like that. Okay, so <laughs> you reached
0: out to us a couple of months ago.
1: I reach out because what I want to do is make sure that anyone who encounters anyone who may struggle with substance abuse knows that I am an available resource, mm-hmm. that I can help people find what they need in order to recover. Um, So I know that you have encountered people who've said, hey, I'm drinking too much or maybe I have um, a problem with prescription pills Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm maybe I am doing drugs and I haven't wanted to tell my family okay. um, and sometimes they, they come to you because they trust you instead and you want to be able to have resources for them and I want to be able to be that resource. Um, I've mentioned to all of you that I'm in recovery myself. Yeah. I struggled with alcohol um, and I was sort of a <laughs> late bloomer on that. I used to drink like a quote unquote normal person for quite some time. I would go out to dinner and have a couple of glasses of wine uh, until I started to self-medicate um, i became someone who thought oh my gosh i've had a hard day i somebody pour me a glass of wine okay and mm-hmm. then as i dealt with a little bit of trauma uh, a number of years ago i found myself drinking for wine far too frequently
0: and you grew up on the on the west coast i did I so did. in california or arizona or
1: i grew up in california you grew in up, los angeles and then yes. you ended
0: up in phoenix is that uh, right?
1: oh well i I grew up in Los Angeles, went to college in San Diego, and uh-huh. then my first television job, I was in broadcast for a while. Okay. My first television job was in southern Arizona, wow. and then I took a job in Springfield, Missouri, also in TV, and I met my then-husband. I did news, he did sports, uh-huh. and we were in Springfield for a few years, and when we decided to jump out of TV, it was easier to go up the road to St. Louis, where he was from, okay. than <laughs> it was to try to do the um, cost of living in Los Angeles and we started to have a family and I moved around a lot as a kid and I was highly committed to the idea that I would not move Do my kids that. around okay. because it was hard uh, so we had kids raised family and so I have stayed here my uh, daughter is getting ready to be a senior in high school I'm not sure how mm-hmm. um, and my son is almost a sophomore so oh, wow. The good. two of them That's are awesome. dynamite. Yeah. Um, incredibly lucky.
0: So you're going to be moving into the empty nest season soon. Uh, you know, women ha- don't like it as much as guys. Guys are like,
1: yeah, <laughs> empty nest. Girls are
0: like, <laughs> yeah, empty nest. Hit the road. I, I guess I don't.
1: I don't really think <laughs> about it that way. I mean, I've always. It's always been really important to me to exist as my own person as mm-hmm. their mother, not to have only the title mom, mm-hmm. because I want to show them i've always wanted to show them what it looks like to never stop being who i wanted to be when i grew up okay i think that's especially important as a role model for my daughter because i don't want her to think that when you grow up you go to college and you have things you want to be and things you want to do and then you get married and you stop um i I don't want her to think that that's an ending i want her to think that it continues continues that it's a journey um so i don't really consider it so much as an empty nest i just figure it's a continuation there's definitely going to um, as she started to drive um, my role has minimized I'm not taxiing quite as much as, as I was for sure hmm, right but they're super active kids they're very sporty
0: it's funny cuz all three of my kids graduated college thank you Jesus and I remember Erica when Connor was still going to Mizzou reaching I overheard a conversation Erica had already graduated by this point Connor was getting ready to graduate and Erica I go what did what did Erica just say <laughs> she said Connor Never, ever, ever, ever graduate.
2: Like, <laughs> be a the nice advice, Erica, right, right.
0: be a lifetime student. You know because what's funny? The, the real world's hard, man. Right. The real world Amen. is hard, but yeah. I
1: remember some of the best advice that I heard when I was a junior in college from a friend of mine who was graduating. He said, I want you to enjoy this next year as much as possible because never again in your life yeah. will you not be obligated to get out of bed like you don't have to get out of bed to go to mm-hmm. class if you really don't <laughs> want to. <laughs> right. And be surrounded by sixty to seventy of your best friends at all times. Sure. So this That's, is it. So yeah. enjoy that as much as you can. And I, I mean I great learned, advice. I loved That's, college, but the mm-hmm. the real world does come knocking. Yeah. Um, and, That's
0: true. You know? Did you get in that work groove and then sometimes it leads you places you don't want to go. <laughs> you yes. end
1: up some places. We know that. Adulting can be hard.
0: Yeah. yeah. Very hard. So you so you're you graduate college. You're having a successful career in television.
1: Yeah, for a, t- a time, yes. Time. And then I I, I didn't... Um, I was not good at the hard news aspect. I didn't love it. Let's say it that way.
0: Hard news, I, explain.
1: Um, I did not love knocking on people's doors and saying, I'm so sorry, your three-year-old drowned in the bathtub. Would you like to talk about it? Oh, um, wow. Which makes trite. it sound very trite <laughs> when I say it like that. And mm-hmm. clearly, it's not phrased that way. Right. But I didn't like... Talking wow. to people or trying to request talking to people in the very worst moments of their But that life. was part right. of the job. That's part of the job. Oh, that's um, And so understand. I, I like had the absolute, The my tipping point in deciding I no longer wanted to do television. Mm-hmm. Was in Springfield. Payne Stewart, golfer, was from Springfield. And we were very familiar with his family. His mom was on city council. And the day that Payne Stewart died, I don't know if you remember. Sure, he was flying on an airplane. So, in a traditional newsroom, there are lots of other televisions that are up. So, CNN and MSNBC. Mm -hmm. And so, we had all those TVs up. And our assignment editor, um, we could see that CNN was reporting that it seemed Payne was flying on a plane that was unmanned okay. and he turned to me and I was 24 at the time and said, Oh my gosh, Payne's flying on this plane. Call B his mom. And I said, "No, Nope, not in my job description. I do not call Ooh. family members to say that someone is probably dead. And he said, call B. And I said, no. And he said, call B. And I said, no. And I turned back around to my very large computer because we didn't work on laptops and we didn't have mobile phones the way we do now. And, within about three minutes I heard this strangled cry from our desk and I turned around and he had had our 17-year-old intern call. And our intern is crying and he looks at me and he said, they don't know. And I said, give me the phone. And so I got on the phone and it was Payne's sister. And she said, I don't understand what's happening. He said something about CNN and a plane and pain. I always get chills. Um, and I said, I am so sorry that I am the one that is sharing this with you, but CNN is currently reporting that Payne is flying on a, on a flight that is unmanned. And she said, that's impossible. Payne is on his way to Spain right now. And I said, good. And she said, Mom, Payne is on his way to Spain, right? And I heard B say no. Mm. And his sister let out that strangled cry that you only hear someone make when they have just been told that they've lost somebody. Oh, and gosh. I said, I am so very sorry. And she said, I have to go. And I said, I understand. And we got off the phone. I got into trouble for not asking for the interview. And I, to this day, am perfectly fine oh, that man. I didn't ask for the interview. Wow. And, but that told me that that wasn't my path what Mm -hmm. i love i love storytelling i love Mm -hmm. interviews i love asking about good news and great things and tell me you know tell me your stories of good and hope and you know people used to say how come you guys don't tell more good news because in a traditional newsroom we've got scanners for the highway patrol and the fire department we don't have good news scanners now all of social media makes a lot that a lot more possible now but Mm -hmm. 20 years ago it wasn't
0: no do you think that that incident kind of led you to to start the process of self-medicating? Would that be the trauma that you were talking about? Oh, no,
1: because that was a a long time before. Um, So just to jump right ahead, I actually ended up starting my own business, and that allowed me to, I had a lifestyle website, and brands started to hire me Uh to do the stuff that I love to do. Uh So Procter & Gamble hired me to cover the Olympics, and I covered the Home Run Derby. And so I got to do a lot of the video, and I I covered the red carpet for the Academy of Country Music Awards, and I was doing a lot of social good. Um, The trauma was actually personal. Um, there were some personal stuff that happened in my life, and I just found myself reaching for wine. Okay. Um, and at the time, my my now ex husband said, "Danielle, do you always have to have three glasses of wine?" And I thought, "Well, I'm a damn adult. I'm not
2: allowed to have wine."
1: And a lot of the mentality we see. Mm-hmm permeating our society now it's you know you've had a hard week Uh pour yourself a drink Uh like you know you've earned it you know it's it's just you know pour yourself a glass of wine get in the bubble bath you're fine Mm -hmm. alcohol is not self-care but we treat it as though it is and because i knew i was being judged and watched and monitored i started to hide it and i can tell you with absolute assurance that the second you start to hide it you will drink more Mm -hmm. because what happens is instead of pouring it in a nice glass i start pouring it in here Okay. Because, and that's my Yeti. <laughs> you know, I start, yeah. pour, I start pouring it in a, in a larger cup, but I'm no longer pouring one glass in there. I'm pouring half a bottle. So I'm drinking more. Okay. And that scarcity mentality starts to take over. And I moved from really th- believing that alcoholics were people who had to drink every single day and hair of the dog. And, and I didn't have to drink every day at first, um, but I didn't stop once I started and I became a professional blackout drinker. I mm. could get off and on airplanes, I could check into hotels, I could pick up my luggage and call an Uber and wake up at 3.30 in the morning and think, how did I get here? Wow. And have had all this time that is not passing out, mm. it's blacking out, but I was so alone. And I didn't realize that other people had these experiences and that mm-hmm. alcoholics are not just people who don't have a home and have lost their job. I was highly functioning. And a lot of those i there's yeah. a lot of them yeah. right it's and true. So so were,
0: for, we were one of those yeah, yeah. yeah. so Amen. for That's me right, right? Yeah.
1: reaching a point where my kids started to, to recognize that i was drinking too much okay. and i was justifying it and i was denying it and you know if if i was to tell the story a certain way many people especially to people who have not stopped drinking they would say well gosh danielle i mean if i was going through that i would have been drinking too um, because that's the way we can tell it, and that's the way society tells us that we deserve to me- medicate that way. Yeah. Um, yep. But I hit that wall with my kids really seeing it and really was lying. I was lying a lot. Um, and the person I was lying to the most was me. Yeah. So I decided to check myself into treatment. And it was at a point where my ex-husband said to me, Dee, I'm not even mad at you anymore. You know, you're sick. It, like, you're not a bad person. You're just... I'm worried about you. How many years was this going on? Um, Probably about three. Okay. So, I mean, and it was getting exponentially worse. Um, It would start with a couple of nights where I drank too much and then then all of a sudden I was drinking more and more and more and the more I tried to stop on my own, the worse it got because alcoholism is progressive. Mm -hmm. So when I would stop for two or three weeks or a month or six weeks. I would say, look, I'm not an alcoholic. And okay. then I would congratulate mm-hmm. myself with wow, a bottle of right. champagne. Right. Wow. Because look. Celebrate. Look at me, did it, made yeah. it And so for me, one of the biggest pieces of this um, has been talking about it. That was the first thing I did was I started to talk about it at my six month. I wrote about it because I hoped that if one person read what I had gone through and the way I was hiding in plain sight and Mm -hmm. the way I was functioning, that they might say, Oh my gosh, that looks like me. That sounds like me. There Mm -hmm. is hope. There is a way to be on the other side and live and function and be happy and still laugh and still sparkle, um, on being in recovery. Um, But what I found, amazingly enough, is not only did a number of people reach out that way, but so many family members reached out and said, wow, I now have a new perspective on (laughs) my aunt, my uncle, my significant other, my child, because I didn't know how your brain works. Because our brains work differently. Sure. They just do, the compulsions, the compulsion of someone who has an addiction is different. And I want to normalize saying recovery. I want to normalize being able to say, I am an intelligent, educated, normal, good human being, who has an addiction that I struggled with and I'm still a good person, um, right. but I don't drink anymore, and Amen. I'm still I can still be fun to hang around.
0: Is it now? Did you go to Alnon? Did you go celebrate recovery? What was your
1: um, go to? I well, I started with um, I, I went to treatment, mm-hmm. so I went out of state to treatment okay. um, down in Florida, and worked <clears throat> on myself a lot. And they do a twelve step program, so I started with twelve step, okay. um, and found that that worked for me. Um, but I am very adamant that there is no one way
0: (laughs) yes there is absolutely different
1: right and and the reason i say that what i truly truly believe about the process is um the moment that i say to myself i've got this then I'm in trouble. You're in trouble. Because I've got this leads me to stop doing whatever it is that Mm -hmm. was working for me. Right. Whether that is a 12-step program, whether it is Celebrate Recovery or Al-Anon or -hmm. whether it is talking to a friend or going fishing every day or whether I'm obsessed with the gym or whether or not I reach out to one person, whatever it is that's working for me, journaling, reading, praying, if I stop that, then I'm in trouble. Mm, That's Um, good. And so... For me, a huge part of it for me is helping other people.
0: Ah. Um, Like
1: that for me, the first week I was in treatment, a gentleman walked up to me and said, your gift in this is going to be helping other people. How about that? And immediately a woman next to me said, however, you cannot anchor your sobriety to anyone else. Mm. And that's been a tricky line for me, really wanting to help other people and recognizing that I can't save anybody. Right. Um. Right. I That's can fact. show you the path. Right. That's it. But I cannot True. work harder at your recovery than you do. Yeah. That's a fact. So, yep. um, I one of the first things I did in terms of an action item was was getting my CPS, which is um, certified peer specialist. Mm-hmm. So I I help. So I can be a substance abuse counselor without having a master's degree, um, which is not obviously a master's level. So I'm not a high level. I'm not a therapist, mm-hmm. right? Um. But I can work on a low level in treatment centers as a as a peer as someone who understands okay and so i started to do that and then someone reached out to me and said hey would you be interested in the role that i have now with american addiction centers and for me what's so great about it is i get to say i get you I understand mm-hmm. so when i go into a hospital when an er doctor or a nurse or someone calls and says hey i've got someone who's struggling one of the first things i do say is i understand i get it because yeah. i'm in recovery as well oh, you really do so yeah, say that. yeah right. and yeah, but good. i can also say it to the family i right. can also say look you know when a, when a wife says to me my kids have seen this right. i can say right. my kids did too And I can tell you that it's possible for that to change. It's possible your kids will be resilient. Mm -hmm. And what a gift it is now. I mean, there was one time I was on the phone with a family and my son was listening to me talk to the family and he texted me and he said, that gentleman's story sounds a lot like yours. He doesn't (laughs) think he's an alcoholic because he's not a traditional alcoholic.
0: Right, right. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break and we're going to get back in here. The exciting thing God is doing now. We'll be right back.
2: Lang Insurance is your local trusted independent insurance agency for 40 years and growing. Steve Lang says, I dare you to compare your current home and auto insurance policy to our top 10 insurance companies. Most of the time, we will save you money, sometimes thousands. Either way, you will know that you have the best policy at the best price. Lang Insurance, someone local you can trust. For a free, no obligation insurance quote on home, auto, business, life, and health, call 636 229 7000. 636 229 7000. Or go to langinsurance.com 24 7. Dare to compare Lang
0: Insurance. So, in light of what you just heard in Daniel's story, let's hear faith scripture on 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through, I think, about
1: 7. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God ha- is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Jesus, for Christ, the more God will...
0: Faith, add. you rock. Good job. Good job. Go Miss Faith. So what'd you think of that? It kind of applies. It kind absolutely of, applies. Yeah? Yes. So you were talking about um, part of your recovery is helping others, mm-hmm. and that's where you're... That's where I am now. Where you're heading now. Right. So talk about that.
1: uh, So, American Addiction Centers now. So, I. I started, I I mentioned that I got my um, certificate for being a peer specialist. Mm-hmm. I started working at a treatment center as a substance abuse counselor, and then was offered a position to do what I do now, which is working primarily with hospitals and um, outpatient facilities and ultimately anyone. But who, how
0: did that happen? You just didn't walk in and go, hey. I mean, there must so have been, how was that going how on? How did it happen? Exciting. Um, so
1: I, I will say that, um, things in my life happen for me okay they do they they really do just like i get to say to my kids now i am so sorry that i hurt you in this process however i am supposed to be able to say i'm an alcoholic i'm supposed to be in this place right now because i get to help people um so because i was because i am in recovery i made friends who are also in recovery, and one of them is now my manager, and she so good. came to right. me and said, "Hey, question for you—actually, a business question. What do you think about this position?" And I said, "What do I do? Yeah, how do I do? What? That? What? What do I do? I don't typically—I haven't had a position like this, and my experience in the substance abuse arena is limited. Okay. Uh, however," my passion for helping people is off the charts. So I did a series of interviews with her and all of her managers all the way to the top. Um, and they, I guess you could say they took a chance on me, right, because my resume isn't in this arena, right? right. My resume is not in business development. Right. Um, my previous 15 years I worked for myself I wrote online, I wrote, I spoke, um, I, I have two books, so I, it doesn't have anything to do with what I'm doing you right now. You wrote two
0: books, did you say? I did. Okay.
1: I did, sidebar. Just. But again, things happen for me.
0: <laughs> Who I, is this girl? I put
1: myself in, the, in, a, in a position to do the things that I want to do so that I can help people. Mm-hmm. Because to me, one of, the, one of the mantras of my website was give good, get good. Not I'm trying to get good, but I know that things come around. The more I help people, the more I put myself in a position to to do good things, the more I'm, a, things come back around sure. that put me in a position to do more You reap what you sow. Yeah. You know, there, there's
0: a scripture, and maybe think of this, okay. So Esther, Queen Esther, mm-hmm. was raised to a position, right? She was raised and she ultimately ended up marrying the king. And she was put there to actually save the Jewish people, right, unbeknownst to her. Uh, but her uncle came to her, Mordecai, I think it was, and she was afraid to speak out. She was afraid to go, afraid to go to the king because in that day you could have been killed. Mm-hmm. So Mordecai counsel in the multitude of counsel there is wisdom. Raised. Mordecai Good. says to her, "If you choose to remain silent at this time, salvation will come to the Jews through someone else. But how do you not? How do you know that you were not raised for such a season as this?" So you were given a choice, okay? Do you help others or is it, you know? So God has been doing this all along and all of your life, raising you to a position such as this, allowing you to go through all of this stuff because we know Romans says, you know, God calls, we know God calls us all to work for good, even the bad stuff we do. Mm-hmm. He calls us all, and now look. I mean, and it's cool. I'm going to brag on you just a little bit. And no names, but um, she had called, and we've had other people call. Hey, when somebody calls, um, I'll help them. And we, we sent somebody to call. I was a little bit leery because, you know, we, we're, we're shepherds. We watch our flock. And, right, and in recovery, it's very difficult. I don't want We don't want to give a person another reason for disappointment. Okay? Right, right. So I said, well, uh, we'll call him Bob. Mm-hmm. I said, Bob, I got a new friend. Yeah, and he was looking for a place to stay mm-hmm. or get recovery mm-hmm. and apparently you guys have been all over it you found him a bed and then, and then and then i have been really impressed by Bo-
1: that bob and i talk all the time
0: i think it's um, yeah to, but, when i heard I mean, that it was see, wonderful for oh. oh. for this oh. season right now
1: right so i think that and this goes back to me only being able to help as much as someone else wants mm-hmm. exactly um, but mm-hmm. if i look at my phone right now if i look at my text messages right it's 75% of it are people checking in with me. It's a mom who wants her daughter to go into recovery and the daughter's refusing right now, but the mom, is, the, the mom is panicked because the daughter wants to detox at home, which is highly dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I say, all right, let's just, let's stay in touch all day, you mm-hmm. know? Um, there was another guy who didn't have the money. And so he has a, a nurse that lives next door who's a good friend. He wants to detox at home and I said, okay, we'll call him Tom. Um, I said, Tom, you know, I, I consider us friends now, right? Mm-hmm. So do me a favor, can we just stay in touch? He says, absolutely. I find that what's happening is people will call me and they will say, you're the first person I've talked to who I can tell cares.
0: Wow. Right? Uh,
1: and because I do.
0: Right, Yeah.
1: Because I legitimately do care
0: Good. um
1: it's painful mm-hmm. for me physically painful for me if i can't get them somewhere and when someone doesn't have insurance and they don't have this is where our system is broken and we could talk about this all darn day mm-hmm. um <laughs> when someone doesn't have insurance and they don't have medicaid or medicare their the, their options are limited because limited. there's right. only so much out there there's only so much mm-hmm. state funding right. um but damn if I'm not gonna try, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but I will say this, if they want it badly enough, um, I will work really hard for them, mm-hmm. and I will I will talk to whoever it is in my world that can try to make it happen, and there are other people like right. me right. who will work hard for you too. She's our go-to girl, I'm
0: telling right. you, that's it.
1: Well, but it's like, I'll give you an example. Somebody, so there was a, a girl that...
0: was like that, yeah.
1: Th- there was a, a girl that I was helping that had a bed available yesterday and or the bed, she was supposed to show up yesterday and she texted me i texted her to say all right are you there and i didn't hear from her for a couple of hours and she said then she finally said ah, i'm on my way i've hit a hiccup uh, but i'm going i'll call you she called me and she said well i'm i'm going but you know i'm struggling with with packing and i said so you're stalling and she said, yes. And I okay. said, I appreciate the honesty. However, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. tell you this. A bed is really hard to come by. Right. So you, you have better, two choices. You're it. either going right now right. or sure. I'm calling them and telling them to give the bed to someone yeah. else. right. Because that's how desperately that bed is needed. If you don't want it badly enough. And she said, I am going. She said, will you please call my attorney and tell him? I said, no, I will call your attorney when you call me and show me that you're there. Right. Okay, Danielle. Right.
0: Um, we have to end the show. But yes. we want you to come back okay. because we want to hear about yeah, your podcast. We didn't even get into that. Oh. We didn't oh, right, so went through yeah. a part, two. So, so a part yes. two. But somebody is struggling out there right now. Yes. They're wrapped up in addiction. They know somebody addiction. Can you give them the contact information yeah, to reach out number. to? You? Yeah, My
1: phone number I'm okay. available twenty-four hours a day. Yeah. I'm on call. So yeah, my phone number, number is 636-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466-466 9308 I'll do that one more time mm-hmm. 636-466-9308 and I do answer my phone 24 hours a day the only reason I wouldn't answer is if I was on the phone with someone else helping them
0: and texting cool too
1: texting is cool too a lot of people prefer that because they don't want to talk on the phone
0: fantastic love you please come back we want to hear the, the rest of the story thank okay? you for having me for sure. have a great week make sure to tell somebody about Jesus you guys that's right. bye. bye bye that's all
2: I've lived for money and, uh, I've lived for fame, yeah. I've lived for man in set the blank going oh, up. Uh, I've been to the bottle and up, uh, I've been to the brothel. See, I made mistake after mistake. Oh, until I met my God face to face. Traveling down the road With my kid and Jesus Christ uh, Preaching and teaching of true life Oh yeah With my Bible in my grave and love upon my lips We just some mess Fits for Jesus Lord, we just some mess Fits for Jesus Now I live for Jesus And I I don't deserve it, yeah, I live to rich